I'm poking at your photos, Vinny. Yeah, me oh, too. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I really like this Stegosaurus statue. Mm-hmm. I would like to propose that we replace all Confederate statues with dinosaur statues. Yeah. Oh, fine. Yeah, it'll be remembering a different kind of history. How do we make this happen? I'm all for just doing an end run around legislative solutions and modifying existing statues by cover of mm. darkness. Okay, okay, so you just add plaster to the current statue. I'd approach it the way that people do special effects prosthetics for movies. So we would make a full-size cast of the existing statue and then sculpt pieces to fit over it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, and cast those in bronze and then go out and like braze them on as quickly and as cleanly as we can. Because, I mean, we want these to last a long time, right? Right. Um, it just occurred to me that I think I might have stopped at the wrong spot. I think I stopped at the wrong place, too. Did you did you overshoot? No, I didn't go. Wait, I didn't go far enough. I I read to the end of the chapter. Oh, well, wow. Vinny and I are perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, I, good. And I'm a slacker. I didn't oh. read the last little... I read the, the end note, and then I read... Did you yeah, stop cause... after the end note? Maybe I did. Maybe I thought I was done. Because mm-hmm. I was almost... So I was almost done. You were almost there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do we want to... Let's, let's get started. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Just got to find the button. Oh... Where's the big button? There it is. You did it. I don't think he did. Can you hear it now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Hello and welcome to good-looking people in small, clever rooms that utilize every centimeter of available space with mind-boggling efficiency. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Brianna. Greetings. And, as always, we're joined by my mom, Norma. Hello. And by our friend, Vinny. Hello. So, uh, this uh, reading seems short on paper because it's just pages 306 to 312, except it has one of the longest endnotes we've encountered thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And and a lot of this really gets into like the the politics of the North American kind of consolidated state and how that relates to Quebec separatists. Uh, the the first little thing that we get here is uh, a discursion on the types of classes taught by prorectors at Enfield. Um, that they, the prorectors have to teach a class in order for the school to retain its accreditation as a school and not just a sports camp. Um, and that they tend to teach kind of bizarre and esoteric courses. Right. Which, again, mm-hmm. underlines my assertion that the pedagogy and the curriculum at Enfield is subpar. Say more. Because they even, the descriptions of the classes taught by the prorectors and how the prorectors are prepared to teach those classes, i.e. not at all, and how the classes taught by prorectors are viewed as 
jokes. They're like throwaway classes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Again, underscores the the neon light intensity of fact that the curriculum is subpar. They are there for tennis. Yeah. Although, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think don't that, think we're ever they, going I, to agree. I think. I think. The, I think. Oh. I think they're oh, there for I, tennis, and I think they're there for Avril's pet subjects. Well, they're, exactly. They're not yeah. though. They they seem to they they pick the classes they want to teach. They design those classes, and they don't seem to be lazy teachers. I don't think that's the impression that I get of them. Okay, but they're teaching. I'm led to believe that they become pro-rectors right after they're done at Enfield, which Mm -hmm. would make them 18 years old at the youngest. Yeah. And they're responsible for developing a course? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think that the pro-rectors, especially in these few classes that are described, are passionate about their classes mm-hmm. and everything, but I don't necessarily think they're very good classes. They're right. like Hogwarts yeah. classes. The, the sense, I don't know yeah. if it's Hal or somebody said that their classes are usually fascinating the way plane crash footage is fascinating. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't, that's not Right. So, that doesn't bode so, well. So no. I, my, my point was that they're 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 not skilled teachers, but they do care about the cor- the classes that oh, they're yeah. teaching, which is is more than for than I can say, for instance, about the gym teacher who taught my science classes in school. You know, hmm. so, so I, I agree that there's there's pedagogical problems at Enfield. But I do also think that like some of my favorite elective classes have always been the ones that are just bizarre, you know, and like really specific Okay, yeah. but were those right. high school courses? Right. Uh, no, I didn't have the opportunity to take classes like that in high school, but I would have. Yeah, for me, they weren't really high school courses. For me, a lot of these pro-rector courses remind me of uh, college classes that I took. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, They're the, I, the I did kind make of classes a... that, that, that show you that it's not so much the topic as the fact that it's something new that you haven't thought about and, like, Teaching, teaching people how to think about and ask questions about stuff and dig into stuff. Right, right, yeah. That's perhaps something they've never encountered before. If something gets to the edu- like the core of what ed- good education is, but it's not about the topic itself so much, necessarily, always. I made a list of the the classes that are mentioned here, and I just wanted to run mm-hmm. through them just to kind of get oh. a feeling for the types of classes. So yeah, we have, and could, uh, before you do that, they refer to the quadrivial requirement, right? Yes. I looked up quadrivial. Oh, quadrivial requirement. It's the higher division of the seven liberal arts, classically: geometry, oh. astronomy, uh, yes. anatomy. Is it maybe? Arithmetic some... and music. Uh, yeah. Geometry, astronomy, arithmetic, and music. There's mm. some mention of the quadrivium earlier in the book when it's talking mm-hmm. about Avril's influence on the uh, like the curricular development of mm-hmm. ETA. Right. It's like a very classical look at right. education. Which would be, uh, it seems to be considered like an unusual way to structure a curriculum. Yeah. Right. Um, 
So, so these are the classes that are mentioned. We have Aubrey Delint's Introduction to Athletic Spreadsheets. Yeah. Uh, Corbett Thorpe's Deviant Geometries. Mm. Uh, Tex Watson's From Scarcity to Plenty, From Putrid Stuff Out of the Ground to the Atom in the Mirror, A Lay Look at Energy Resources from Anthracite to Annular Fusion. Uh, we hear about two different classes by Mary Esther Thode. Uh, the personal is the political is the psychopathological, the politics of contemporary psychopathological double binds, and the toothless predator breastfeeding as sexual assault. Yeah. Uh, and, and then finally, yes. we hear about uh, Thierry Poutrincourt's separatism and return Quebecois history from Frontenac through the age of interdependence. Which is the mm -hmm. one that Hal is taking. The other thing that they said about these prorectors that, that, and the classes... I, is it Hal's voice that we're hearing talking about these? It might be. Well, there's a couple. We start out uh, with Shot is taking a test in Mary Esther Thode's oh, right. class. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But they say that the pro the prorectors are not geniuses, and they tend to be kind of bats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> bats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they say, doesn't he say, in the way that most low-level tennis pros are? Hmm. So one thing while we're at it uh, that I wanted to know is, well, uh, to answer the test question that we got from oh, uh, the yes. personal is the political is the psychopathological, the politics of contemporary psychopathological double binds. Yeah. Where uh, you are both pathologically agoraphobic, but also pathologically kleptomaniacal. So yes. what do you do? Yeah. Right. So, so Schott's answer is mail fraud, which right. I do think is a pretty good answer. I think so, too. Yeah, it wasn't the but, answer that I was going with, but it's a good what, one. What was the answer that you were going with? So I was thinking that you would just kind of take really quick, like, um, jumps out the door so that you're not going too far, but you can still, like, steal something from maybe the house next to you or something like that. <laughs> steal the gnomes from their front you yard. You could, if you got right. really good at it. Or something. If you got really good at it, you could get a fishing, uh, like a fishing pole oh, and, yeah. and, and steal people's wallets out of their pockets as they walk past. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really funny that you mentioned fishing pole because as you started talking, I'm like, fishing poles might be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could, <laughs> um, you could, you could get a roommate and then steal from them. Right. Yeah. You could, yeah. um. You could you could get pets and then and then uh, give things them. to the pets and then and then steal them. Or you could get mm -hmm. you could get a dog and then let it out the front door to knock down passersby and steal wallets and purses yeah. and run into the yeah. house. Ooh, so there's all yeah. kinds of options. Like some kind right. of get a get a Labrador retriever. Oh yes. yeah. Teach it to jump up on people wagging its tail until they knock the person over and then bring then fetch. Mm -hmm. Fetch whatever is in their hands or in their pocket. Right. Mm -hmm. Or if they're wearing a hat, fetch the hat. Right, fetch the hat. <laughs> yeah, fetch anything you can fetch. Mm -hmm. If you bring something back, you get a treat. My understanding of kleptomania had to do with with keeping lots of things. Not only stealing, but just keeping lots of things. Is that inaccurate? I think it can manifest in a variety of ways. I also wonder, I'm not think, positive that kleptomania is an actual, like, uh, um, DSM diagnosable DSM-5. 
term. Yeah. We might yeah. also we might also be off on our answers. Come to think of it, because kleptomania to me is more of a like an impulse that you can't stop. Right. And the, and the, so it's and not the as much about. things that we've described are much more planned at, premeditated. That's right. true. Mm-hmm. That's why I really think a roommate is the way to go. Like if you get a roommate living with you, you can just kind of snatch stuff. Uh, yeah. Thoughtlessly without a lot of preparation. But would right. you really still have the impulse if you're not going out? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough to because say. Like if not... you if you were maybe maybe you wouldn't suffer from that impulse if you had to stay in your own home at all times because mm. you wouldn't be exposed to stuff that doesn't that belongs to other people. Right. You could have like parties at your house. Do you everyone could. people have parties? Yeah, you yeah. could be real yeah. like a like a a real entertainer. <laughs> like a socializing agoraphobic. Is that, is that really a thing? I don't see why not. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that sounds have, like a Guy Madden character. You could have Yeah, a Guy Madden character or like the Great Gats. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. It is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly who that is. <laughs> There's a few moments here, and and in this discussion of Mary Esther Thode and the way that kind of the way that she teaches, there's this this mention at the in the test question, keep your answers brief and gender neutral. Um, Fuck yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I wondered about this. I wondered whether this is David Foster Wallace satirizing academia's desire for gender neutral language. Um. And, and if it is, if that is what he's doing, I just wanted to point out that, that that aged really poorly. Yeah. Because I don't I don't see how you could possibly make fun of someone for for wanting to reject the like masculinist bias in the English language. Yeah, I would agree. Double agree. So we we transition from this. We, we hear about this like fake radio broadcast that happens more or less weekly at Enfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, over oh, over the announcements, it's not really fake. It's, yeah, it's, well, it's it's, n- it's fake radio. It's not real it's radio, right, although right. they call it WETA. It's like it's like kids at elementary school doing their their weekly news broadcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you know any like other school high wide. school has mm-hmm. yeah their um, closed circuit video mm-hmm. video news and right that yeah stuff. And we hear some more about Trelch's aspirations to sport ca- sports casting and how kind of single-minded he is he's obsessed mm-hmm. yeah it's a wonder he's still alive and that his friends haven't just strangled him <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy at the halfway house with the 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 finger oh, tapping t- t- on the, it's oh, like, yeah. it's like that oh same, yeah like he just can't stop and it's like you can't not hear it you can yeah. try not to hear it, but you can't not hear it. It's just always going on. I do appreciate his uh, his commitment to trying to find uh, synonyms for beat and lost. Mm. In, in his, they call it his attempt at verbiform variety. Yeah, it is, um, that's another sort of slapsticky sort of thing. How is it just his his broadcast just deteriorates. It gets more and more grotesque. The word choice he makes as he goes along, and 
Mm-hmm. Drove a hot, thin spike into the right disturbing. eye. It's <laughs> disturbing. It becomes really disturbing, but it starts yeah. out so bland and typical, and then it just it spirals down. That that really rang true for me this time around when I read it because um, this is this is related. I promise. Uh, okay. I play D anD D. And mm-hmm. I'm playing a character who really doesn't like people and um, is reluctant to acknowledge relationships with people, especially if they're ostensibly close relationships. But Brianna has this vocal quirk of referring to people as friends collectively. <laughs> um, so what I did this past time around was I looked up just all the synonyms for friend and anytime that my character refers to their compatriots, uh, they will be using another strange synonym. Uh, because okay. I don't want to get any of my colleagues excited that they've gotten through the rough exterior. <laughs> so uh, I, I love a good... A good thesaurus so, search. You you love you so you uh, you can relate to his uh, obsession with trying to get the perfect <laughs> word choice. Absolutely, <laughs> word choice. Ugh. Hey, I have a I have a question that just came to me when I was reading this, and perhaps you can all enlighten me. It's just a question mm. that all references to time use military time. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I I just wondered is that. Uh, Onan thing, uh, because yeah. we certainly don't. That's not how we refer to time. I, I think it now, is an Onan thing. Is it thing. Onan or is well, it an ETA thing? I, I think it's thought- an Onan thing because they also refer to time and military time at Ennett House. Hmm. Oh, that's right. They do. Yeah. And so, what yeah. do you suppose that's about? That is right. And did that happen at the same time that the subsidized years? I, I bet Happen, it happened at the or, same time as subsidized years and adopting the metric system. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, because I was thinking that it was just an ETA thing. Um, right, and because, they kind have, of, because shtid is kind of all, all right. military kind of Right, yeah, but dude. yeah, you're right. They do have a military time at um, Annette House as well, so... Yeah, it would have to be an Onan thing. There were a few other little things that came up just in passing uh, about, like, there was a mention that ETA doesn't allow TPs to be used for broadcasts or video games because in, they encourage in a stuperous passivity in student, in student in quarters. Student rooms. Yeah, in yeah. Student quarters. So yeah. they actively, it, is somebody, not, they pretty wait. actively don't allow. Is somebody shuffling a deck of cards? Oh, I'm sorry. I was playing or thumbing through the book. book. Yeah, yeah. I was nervously thumbing through it. Mm. Ah. (laughs) So there was that little, that just little thing that we've talked about before about how strange it is that these kids don't play video games. Really, yeah. Mm -hmm. Although it's, I mean, it still seems so. Like ROM caliber games exist, but just the. Yeah, it seems surprising right. to me that they're not more of a thing. And maybe it is right. that we're just in a corner of the culture that doesn't recognize them, but that it's it's odd to me. And like with high yeah. school kids, you would think that the very fact that they're not allowed would mm. cause that they them would to do play it. them. 
Yeah. But they don't seem to have much interest in it. Except that, is Eschaton a video game? It's not no, a video game. It's more it's of a, a tennis. It, no, it's a tennis, tennis game. It's a tennis game based on a video game. Okay. All oh, right. don't worry. Yeah. We'll get to it. Yeah, okay. we'll get to All it. Right. Okay. Uh, other little <laughs> tidbits were that Shacked, who is the one that wants to be a dentist, right? Yeah. Right. That he yeah. came to ETA late. He didn't. He came. He arrived at ETA after James O died, after his mm. own father died, and about four months after James O died. Mm-hmm. So he's a fairly new student. He came at a much older age than most of them. And also, we learned that the Whataburger tournament is going to be recorded for fringe market or only or order only viewing. Oh, which yeah. reminds me of like, you know, that's a thing like though a with like lo- local thing, cable, right? local mm-hmm. cable channels cover mm-hmm. high school games in a lot of markets uh-huh. and Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting. Mhm. But the but certainly that's that got be. that's got Trailchall worked up at the possibility that there will be right. real newscasters at the Whataburger. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. And now is oh. Trouch the one who carries around a disconnected microphone as well? Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. Totally. And, and, when, totally and when, he, when he doesn't have the microphone, he he pretends his fist is a microphone. Mm-hmm. It's like some kind of a nervous tick that he's just constantly doing. Does he have actual relationships with people? Does he have conversations, or is mostly everything? Uh, fake broadcast do we know it seems like most everything is a fake broadcast yeah, or I mean, soliciting has, feedback on his fake broadcasts yeah he still has conversations with people it's just conversations inside of a fake broadcast right yeah oh it the sounds other, complicated it does mm-hmm. sound very complicated also we learned that pemulus who is maybe pemulus is maybe a genius uh, yeah, that he, he, that he sometimes guest lectures in Tex Watson's class on that yeah. um, history annular of fusion energy, and anthracite st- yeah. to annular fusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does seem like in a lot of ways he's carrying on the engineering legacy of James O. Right. Kind of on his own. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's just a genius in that area. Well, mm-hmm. he's a genius in a lot of areas. He's an entrepreneurial <laughs> genius as well. Yeah. Oh, there's. A, I have a few kind of uh, vocabulary things sprinkled throughout. One of them here is fellow Ooh. de say. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, four months after the late ETA headmaster's fellow de say, which is a Latin phrase meaning felon of himself. Um, it's an archaic legal term that denotes an illegal act of suicide. So uh, early English common law considered suicide a crime and a person found guilty of it, even though dead, was subject to punishments, including forfeiture of property to the monarch and being given a shameful burial. That's where that phrase originates. Hmm. Well, that would make sense with the uh, how wrapped up in religion early government and law. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering. It makes me wonder who's like what perspective we're narrating from here uh, that that would use the term fellow to say to refer to James O's suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, James Quebecois. 
Well, it's, it's Latin. Oh, well. It's, it yeah. sounds, sounds to me like that seems like maybe something Hal would say. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Though. It does seem like an odd and oddly antique phrase to use. But it's kind of, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, it's, it's more it's euphemistic like than saying suicide. So in that way, it's more indirect. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a euphemism. So they don't have to spell it out. Right. I would like to say this is of no importance at all, but I really enjoyed the description of Tex Watson and his class. Uh, they de- they describe him as colon mad. Tex Watson, yeah. who is colon <laughs> mad. Yeah. I just really like that. I have nothing to say about it except that. I mean, it is always a real accomplishment when you can fit two colons into a class yeah. name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really admire that. I feel like that's not, that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely grammatically incorrect. Obviously, nobody cares. Mm. Yeah, which is weird because you would think Avril would care. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, why yeah, hasn't she put a stop to this? Would, you yeah, would think so. Unacceptable. Um. So then we I get think- into this. Oh, go ahead. Before before you go on, there's a, I was just looking back to see you know things that I wondered about that I was surprised by and uh, uh, Emmy Thede the, the oh, pro Thode Thode excuse me Thode uh, it it also talks about her background and the, yes and how she was blacklisted by uh, tennis for her politics. And then, mm-hmm. but then yeah. she came back. She came back to ETA, back to Stitt, who had been her teacher earlier, I guess. Uh, and and it said that that he has a soft spot for anyone who seems even marginally politically repressed. Yes, which seemed that didn't that no. didn't line yeah. up with my idea of him. I I line up. I mean, I think of him as being really opinionated. Well, mm-hmm. I think of him as be, I mean, Politics he he certainly has this image of like almost Nazi-ish yes. authoritarianness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I that kind of came out of left field for me too. That. And there's some allusion to that being due to his political history that we don't that we really don't really know anything know. about. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um. But then we get to uh, Hal's uh, history of Quebecois separatism class. Which leads into that, the endless endnote, which... Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I So I have, at some point here, I have a list of... I, I did some really basic cursory research on all the kind of Quebecois history terms yeah. and names that were thrown I out. So I can, I can run, run down I, that some. I looked at that um, too, but before you do that, we should also think about why Hal is taking that class. Yes. Hmm. That, I mean, that moms thought he should, although she right. wouldn't say, of course, because it's Avril, she wouldn't say that she thought he should <laughs> because yes. she wouldn't want and, to un- unduly influence him, but. And, and he'd, he'd always deflected her suggestions until finally this term schedule juggling, schedule juggling got dicey. 
Uh, So it was like the thing that was available. I've definitely been in that situation in enrolling for classes. And there's like one class that you have to take, even though you don't want to. Right. And he also wonders about the weirdness of the fact that Oren is calling him with questions that relate to the class that he is taking. Like, how weird is that? Yeah, but he is says there's a, no way for him to know that he's taking that class. Right. So it really is just a coincidence, he thinks. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Suspicious. Is anything a coincidence in this book? That's what we really yeah. want to wonder. So, um, can I, I, can I just... open the curtains for my cat. I'll oh, okay. Back. Corbett. Can we open the curtains for you here? Okay. Um... So I'd love to just run run down a list of names and terms real quick and kind of I don't want to dwell on any of them very much unless someone has something to say specific. But I would just say just to kind of get them out of I the way. I would just say that I also looked up a whole bunch of them. Oh. and I was completely stunned by my lack of knowledge of Canadian mm-hmm. and specifically Quebecois there's, history. There's so much going on. And I, I know that there has been like a really contentious history and particularly right. Montreal. You know, I, I worked with an actor one time who grew up in Montreal in the 80s um, mm. and, and used to tell stories about kind of the unrest that was happening at the time. Um, so, Mom, maybe you and I can just kind of run it like like. Okay. Chime in with each other. So the first one that I looked into was Frontenac. Uh, Louis Dubois de Frontenac was a French soldier and early governor general of New France. Uh, I don't really, I couldn't gather much of import about him, except that he was a kind of bloodthirsty soldier. Um, And the enormous Chateau Frontenac Hotel uh, was built on the site of his former home and his ghost is rumored to haunt the ballroom. Cool. Uh, but there's Ooh. a there's a lot of things named after Frontenac in Quebec. Uh huh. And then uh, uh, Jacques Cartier Who was a Canada for France. Yes, right? a French Breton early... explorer. Uh-huh. Uh, he's the first to document the name Canada to designate the territory on the shores of the St. Lawrence River. There was somehow name... a mistaken understanding yeah, of it, native it term. Der- derived from the Huron-Iroquois word Kanata, or village, which he incorrectly interpreted as the native term for the newly discovered land. Mm. Uh, newly discovered to him. Newly discovered right. to him, yeah. yes. Uh Jean-Francois Roberval was a a, yes a French nobleman adventurer and pirate who targeted British ships primarily Mm -hmm. Um, did his pirating to raise funds yes uh, and and was was officially rebuked by the king of France for that but kind of privately uh, he kept it up anyway because they didn't give him enough funds to do whatever he thought he, he was supposed to be doing yeah. So so King Francis named him the Lieutenant General of New France, the first Lieutenant General of New France in 1541. Uh, Cap Rouge is mentioned briefly. Uh-huh. It's the f- site of the first attempted permanent French settlement in North America, which was uh, around 16, 1645. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Samuel de Champlain was another person who is oh, named who, who's the that. namesake of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a French Including colonist. a really big lake. Yes. Uh, French colonist, navigator, cartographer, draftsman, soldier, explorer, geographer, ethnologist, diplomat, and chronicler. Jeez. Uh, he founded Quebec and New France in 1608. 
Leave something for somebody else to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Ursulines of Quebec yeah. were an order of nuns yeah. primarily dedicated to the education of girls and the care of the sick and needy. Uh, they, were, they were the first nuns to arrive in the New World, and they founded the Ursuline Monastery of Quebec City, the oldest institution of learning for women in North America. Right. Question. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ursuline mm. of the Bears? So, uh, I, I, you know, I did not look that up. I still have the Wikipedia um, page up, though. I'm pretty sure there's a Saint Ursula. Saint Ursula, yeah, yeah, is the Latin for little female bear. Is mm -hmm. a legendary oh. Romano-Christian saint. Uh, there's Don't little you definite get a information. Cat to name Ursula. Yes. <laughs> Ursula. Yeah. Some little bear-like cat. Um, Ursula. What is she the saint of? Uh. Uh. Cologne, England, Gozo, Archers, Orphans, Female Students, uh -huh, female BM Gonon, and Rizal. Uh -huh. All right. Uh, female students. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I, I, just skimming the Wikipedia page, there's a section called Lack of Historical Credibility. That's uh, fine. Skeletal Remains, Celebrations, Cordula Ursula's Companion, uh... Being terrified by the punishments and slaughter of others, Cordula hid herself, but repenting her deed. I don't understand what the context is for any of this. Never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Amherst was a British nobleman and he genocider of indigenous people who he, conquered New he, France during the Seven Year he War. He gave them blankets and things that were. In, yes, smallpox small blankets. With, yeah, smallpox blankets. To yes. Yeah. Good lord. Um, yeah, and That's establishing uh, the, relationships with the native. There peoples. are, there are, there are places in. It, there's a city in Ohio, and there's another city in, I believe, somewhere in uh, Quebec, named for Amherst. Uh, well, there's a there's, a college. Amherst is that named college. after this Amherst? Probably not. Well, I don't know. I say I'm, probably I'm not, not sure. but Amherst, Massachusetts. Uh, yes, yeah, named after this, this genocidal maniac. Oh, okay. Uh-oh, um, So that's, that's something to address. names, perhaps they should... Yeah, the, the, the Amherst, Ohio is looking at changing its name. Um, really? Maybe Amherst, Massachusetts should think about that, too. Yeah. I would think they would be, because I think Good that's job, a Ohio. pretty... Their, their Amherst College would be a pretty liberal institution, I would think, that would be yeah, somewhat... I'm, mm. I feel uh, like li liberalism. I mean, liberalism is no enemy to systemic racism. <laughs> no, but but they are perhaps more open to considering mm. their role in it. Sometimes, perhaps, a bit more likely. Also, I just get the general feeling that universities on the East Coast are way more steeped in tradition than well, any others. And, and, so, and they're all named after slave owners. Yeah, so yeah. they're going to drag their heels yeah. because of tradition yeah. rather than, you know, keeping up with the times. Um, yeah, so, so Amherst is a, a terrible, terrible man. Um, Good to know. Uh, Jacques Parizeau. Uh, a, a noted Quebecois sovereigntist and former premier of Quebec in the 90s. He resigned from office in 1996 after the Quebec independence referendum was defeated in an election. Um, Sour grapes. Yeah. 
And then there's there's a little bit about this in an end note, but I just wanted to touch it touch on it briefly. There's a mention of the third Meech Lake Accord. Um, so I looked this up, and there's only been one to date, one Meech Lake Accord. Uh, it was a series of proposed amendments to the Constitution of Canada uh, intended to persuade the government of Quebec to symbolically endorse the 1982 constitutional amendments uh, and provide some decentralization from the Canadian Federation. So it basically would give Quebec more autonomy. Um, right. The history of it is long and complicated. It was pretty popular at the time until it was publicly and vocally denounced by the former prime minister and prominent Quebecois politician Pierre Trudeau. Um, he framed it as a capitulation to provincialism and the end of any dream of one Canada. Um, and ultimately, his it was his remarks and other opposition that led to it being defeated and kind of briefly reignited the Quebec separatist movement. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my Quebec history research. Uh, okay, gleaned primarily from the first paragraphs of various Wikipedia pages. Yes. Thanks, Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. It's just a Yay. taste. I saw it when I looked stuff up. I saw it just as a taste of all that I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Which well, is we are Americans, <laughs> so we don't give a shit. That's right. Well, there's also this whole thing about, like, the the thing that we should care about as Americans in that it, it coincides with our history is I get the feeling that the French and Indian War uh, interacted really, really complexly with the American Revolution. Um, right. You know, a lot of, a lot of the players... Right. In the American Revolution, we're also involved in the French and Indian War, and and I don't really know anything about it. I feel yeah. like I feel like I don't know whether it's my fault as not being very intellectually curious as a high school kid, which would make sense, I suppose. <laughs> well, it is. Um, high I had other fish to fry, so to speak, but uh, or whether I I do remember though being really confused about yeah. the whole French and Indian War. Because it is something that comes up when you take American history in high school. Right. That you learn something about the French and Indian War, but never really in a never satisfying in any meaningful way. That, way. Right, that made sense to me like, but what? Eh? I, yeah. never, I never understood it. And I remember not understanding it. And I still don't understand it. I, I have to say, I feel that way about most of my history education in yeah. junior mm -hmm. high and high school. I, I've come to have a to have real issues with the way that history is taught in America. Okay. That, okay. Yeah. I yeah. have a small soapbox. Yeah. That I'm going to step up onto. Yeah. Uh, that that was the really troubling part of the really the end note and all the Canadian and. Quebecois history and also at the same time I did this online training from a place down in El Paso about it was an anti-racism training that I did Ooh. it was it was developed for social workers to earn continuing ed credit but they okay. opened it up mm -hmm. for general public and so the the first module of that was history like a looking at our history and the history of institutional racism 
Yeah. And so I learned things in that, in that training that I didn't know anything about, including, and it shocked and horrified me. I guess it didn't surprise me maybe uh, because so many of the families that I worked with are from Mexico or Central America originally. Mm -hmm. And so I'm more aware of racism as it applies to people with brown skin than yeah. black people because I live in Fort Collins, Colorado, I guess. But I didn't know that there were like de decontamination plants between Juarez and El Paso up through the 60s where people coming and entering the country had to go through, like they had to strip and have strip searches and intellectual tests and their clothes had to be fumigated and they had to go Ugh. through like chemical baths and things. Good Lord. Did you know this? There were no. decontamination no. plants. How could I not know this? Uh, and that in fact, the Nazis used some of the, the like the layouts oh, like of the facility for like, to yeah, like help the develop their facilities. gas chamber uh, uh, yeah. setups. Now and that you that say that, that same, does sound familiar. The same uh, chemical that was used to uh, uh, fumigate people's clothing here on the border was the same gas used in gas chambers at a higher concentration. Mm -hmm. uh, oh. It was, it was, it, it really freaked me out that all the things that I don't know, I mean, that was just one, but there are multiple things that I just don't know. And then I read about Canadian history, Canada, this country that we share this enormous border with, Mexico, yeah. a country that we yeah. share an enormous border with, are things that happen here in our own country. And I think that history is so manipulative, the, he the teaching of history, and that... Yeah. And that the history that we learn is the history that we're taught. Right. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. I mean, that's, and the point you, of view that's taught is taught to maintain the status quo and make us look good and feel good about ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. It's uh, uh, the, the, the amount of stuff that I don't know is really upsetting to me. Mm -hmm. I, you can't know everything, obviously. But, but education has really failed. Do you know that yeah. in, in all of my junior high and high school history classes, we never once covered the civil rights movement? Really? Yeah. You never got that far. No. Yeah, you I don't think we did either. We, we spent you so come, much time on... You didn't on, get to the back of the book. Yeah, like the War mm. of 1812. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and... That's one of the things that's, you know, I was, you know, really lucky to have had really good history teachers and a good history curriculum that, you know, we did, we were able to go into civil rights movements, um, Cold War history, things like that. So, yeah. And, and I also, mean, I, I don't necessarily blame my teachers. I had some kind of middling history teachers and a couple of really fantastic history teachers, but the, mm -hmm. the curriculum was biased so much toward like, right. You know, even even in a high school AP classes, it was like European history and history of European settlement of North America. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. 
And even in, even in art school, like, like my, the art school that I went to was a very politically progressive place. And we studied European art history. Hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, we uh-huh. had one day where the lecturer was like, we don't really have time for this in the curriculum, but I think it's important to show you some slides of like African and Asian art. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. and yeah. And, and like, even that was just the way that the curriculum was designed, like such a, such a fight to get one week of lecture on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, but it's very yeah, it, sobering. It's as very far sobering as, and, and it, and it really feeds the, it feeds the divide that we have right now politically in our country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, by design, I think. By design. Yeah. And it made me think of, it also made me think then of, of Stitt and his belief that, you know, the tennis academy is, they're, they're training tennis players, but they're also training kids to be citizens, you know, Mm -hmm. and that that's really, in a way, that's what public education is about. And in its best, in its best form, that's a really worthy goal. And I'm a big believer in the need for really good public education, that it's, Mm -hmm. it's essential to a democracy. But if the education is only teaching people what makes them about what makes them great Mm -hmm. uh, instead of mistakes that were made along the way. Yeah. Like almost unforgivable mistakes that Mm -hmm. were made along the way that if you don't, if you don't show those things to people too, kids as they're growing up if they don't see the if they don't see any of that mm-hmm. then they grow up believing that they are the best and they deserve the best mm, even at yeah. the expense of others yeah yeah i mean Seems i think like- my my biggest issue with most like k12 history education is that it's so dry and yeah, and it's I, I the more I think about it, the more it seems like that's also on purpose that that the right. the we they the, whoever designs these curricula wants us to be able to spout some names and dates, but to not really think critically about the stories behind them. I think, you know, yeah. history itself is such a is an amazing it's place stories. and and it's right. full it's of stories. these incredible stories that are oftentimes really horrifying, but are like. Right. You know they mean so much, and right. you know you you one could teach incredible, rich, memorable history classes mm-hmm. if one were less interested in names and dates. Well, and hopefully yeah. you young people have had better history education than I did growing up, uh, because I grew up in the days before the internet and access to. To information. So our, my education was so fact-based because it wasn't, you couldn't look stuff up just at the, you know, the snap of your finger. You couldn't, you could, you could go to the library and research stuff, but you, 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 a lot of my education was much more fact-based. And so I think that's, 
how history was taught. History was taught as uh, facts. Uh, you know, this is what happened here, this is what happened there, this is what happened here. And it wasn't ever, no one ever said that history is, is very subjective. It was taught as an mm -hmm. objective kind of, uh, uh, object, it was very objective. Like this is yeah. what happened and this is why it happened and this is what it meant and this is how it turned out. Yay us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and instead of instead of you know there's things are never that simple they're all complicated and how it turns out for one person may be different than how it turns out for another group of people and mm -hmm. when i grew up uh that wasn't the focus yeah and if there were books that were that we read like to to look at some perspective there was always a commotion from <laughs> from parents and the public about why are they why are they reading that book? <laughs> yeah, that raises questions about I don't know the Civil War or the you know World mm -hmm. War One. Why are they reading that? Like that's mm -hmm. not the official. So hopefully you you have gotten somewhat better maybe i don't know i don't know well, i don't know yeah for i mean me, i definitely like like when i learned about the civil war it was taught as uh, uh being caused by economic conditions between the north and south and not really having much to do with slavery and yeah and and yeah i don't know it seems like there was so little about root causes yeah, well, for me, you know, and so I'm sure as we go on in book club and everything, I'll get more into my high school experience and everything because I see a lot of similarities between Enfield and my high school. Um, mm -hmm. But um, one thing that I will say, though, is that I'm pretty happy with how history taught. Mm. Um, you know, like I said, it really wasn't so much about like, names and dates and things like that. I mean, you know, you'll, of course, get names and dates, but it was more about causes and effects. Were you and in IB, Vinny? I was, yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah, I was in IB. That so could explain it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of more about kind of why things happened and all of that. And, you know, even like when we got to the Civil War, you know, we did focus on, you know, the economic problems and everything, because I think saying the Civil War was just about slavery is reductive, but slavery, it was mm -hmm. a huge, huge part of it. Um, and so, you know, it, it was all about that. And, you know, like I was saying, we also kind of, we were also able to go farther in history. Like we spent months studying the Cold War. Like that was, oh, wow. yeah, oh yeah, no, it was like we did all kinds of Cold War um, and, uh, you know, we were also like, uh, we read a bunch of times, read snippets from Howard Zinn and things like that. And yeah, right. yeah, it, it was Man, this really is great. Like, Vinny and I went to high school together, but you should have done IB, I guess, son. I, I guess. Yeah. I was yeah, well, taking the AP history classes instead and they were right, just not yeah, the and, same. You know, like I said, we'll probably talk more about IB. Uh, as time goes on, I'm kind of waiting for the next um, big snippet about curriculum. Oh, yeah. Um, 
to kind of go into that whole rant, but yeah. <laughs> I was just going to make a bunch of jokes about how I went to Chicago public schools up <laughs> until eighth grade, and then I went to a Catholic Jesuit school for high school. I also didn't get to the civil rights movement in any courses, and uh, the two required history courses that I took at my high school um our teachers just showed us a bunch of Woody Allen movies. And oh, it's unclear no. how they were related huh. to history. And I think their only through line was really that our teachers enjoyed Woody Allen. Oh, no. Bright Side, I also saw Singing in the Rain for the first time in my U.S. history class. Oh. Mm. Huh. Huh. Okay, I, I take back my comments about I'm sure that you guys have all had better history <laughs> instruction than I did. So, with the exception of Vinny, no, who did yeah. have better history instruction. <laughs> so, so 25% of us had sort of reasonable history education. I had great European history in high that school. We, we learned a lot count. about about uh like the history of the holy roman empire and the uh the vandals sacking western europe and all that stuff didn't yeah. you hear it doesn't count oh yeah it doesn't, it doesn't i mean count. it's true it doesn't it, it doesn't know, matter it doesn't really listen count. i'm i'm it's all for learning all kinds of history but i do think that recent history is way more important to learn than distant than, than the distant past I think there's a lot to be learned from the distant past, but not if you always look at the same kind of distant past. Yes. See, it's all about it's mm -hmm. all about military history. It's like the history mm -hmm. of wars, yes. and that's mm -hmm. it. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all this to say mm. that I'd be really curious to see what a high school history curriculum is like in, say, Montreal. Hmm. Yeah. Um, like what's Canadian? What? What? I. Now that you mention that, like, does does Canada have uh, academic standards like the U.S. does? I I'm sure assume they do. so. I, I yeah. don't know who determines know those or like what level of autonomy. I don't know if everyone, if all countries think that they can lay out what the academic standards are. There hmm. might be some more progressive places that talk about skills rather than or like learning how to think rather than learning stuff. But mm -hmm. one can always hope. So then we get into this very lengthy end note. Yes, we do. Um, where Oren has called Hal to ask him, what, two questions about Quebec separatists? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet the conversation drags on for pages and pages and pages. And let it be noted that it's still, yes, still November 7th, which, yeah. because it's my birthday, has Happy a special birthday. meaning to me. And that, <laughs> and, but we learn that tomorrow, November 8th, is Interdependence Day. Right. Which I don't, we, it's, I don't think it's been laid out as such, but I'm imagining it as like the day in history when... Onan, Onan was, was formed. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and they have all these, which wouldn't have been that long ago. Yeah. Be in like this story. And yet there are ago. already these traditions that have sprung up around uh, celebrating Interdependence Day. Mm-hmm. Both at, 
both kind of officially at uh, ETA and also personally, these mm-hmm. kids and their friends. Right. Yeah. And before we get into the big, long conversation between Oren and Hal, um, it's here that we find out that uh, Mario has that box of letters, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like the, the family archivist mm-hmm. and he fishes yeah. correspondence mm-hmm. out of the wastebasket. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we find that out and we also find out that um, whenever Avril sends Oren a letter, Oren just sends back this um, boilerplate response thing with a like a color, a special color, twenty by twenty-five centimeter, personally autographed action photo. Yeah. In that letter, there are also horrible, horrible typos that make me so sad and probably give Avril the howling phantom. Yes. Um, uh, and it's established later in the conversation that he, he crafted that letter specifically to be like passive aggressive to, Mm -hmm. uh, to Avril's, uh, grammatical sensitivities. Here's another little aside that I, I brought up before and it doesn't seem to bother anybody else, but it really irritates me, uh, David Foster Wallace's use of these in so many sentences over and over and over. He has, he doesn't have a thing with colons. He has a thing with apostrophes, apostrophe Mm. S's like the phone sits mute atop the answering machine attachment on the telephone's power units console. (laughs) He does that all the time. Yeah. The doubly, doubly apostrophe S words instead of well, i mean you would normally say say like on the telephone power units console right not the telephone's power units council console yeah like if you yeah. were reading it aloud you just stumble and f- slam into the wall when you get to yeah. it it feels so awkward and he does it everything we've read every time we've any of our reading assignments i'm sure has yeah. that in happening in it and I just wanted to complain. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what to make of that. I mean, speaking of apostrophes, there is this thing that Infinite Jest does formally that I, I think maybe I've seen a couple other books do, and it's maybe sort of a, a, a contemporary American literature thing, but that it uses apost- like single, single apostrophes instead of double quotes to oh, I hate that. denote oh, yeah. speech. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, and I don't, I don't, again, that's another thing that I don't know why that is, whether it's just, uh, a minimalism thing or, or why, why he would make that choice. It's like a, although it's like you would, you would actually do that inside, uh, right. Something yeah. that has quotation marks around it, right? Maybe. Yeah. So, right. so is this he all to say like that we're, thing is. Yeah, that we're to imagine quotation marks around the whole book. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Because he's saying it. I don't know. I had never noticed that. Now that's going to bother me too. (laughs) Thanks. Um, (laughs) she's not happy with (laughs) (laughs) one more thing to be irritated about. Well, on the bright side, he's not. It's not one of those situations where there are no quotation marks. That's Let me true. tell you, that is horrifying. That's worse, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. 
Um, the end. Oh, fun fact. Did Ooh. you know that Emily Dickinson grew up in Amherst? <gasps> really? No, oh, I did not know that. that's right. That's right. There and you did go. you know, did you know that moms did undergrad work uh, on, on Emily Dickinson's punctuation? Right. Holy really? shit. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of apostrophes and quotation marks and such. Oh my goodness. Colons and such. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple quick uh, vocabulary words here in the mom's letter to Oren. She mentions xerophagy, that CT is talking about xerophagy, which right, is the practice right, right. of eating dry food, particularly food prepared without oil. Oh, um, Sounds like a sad existence. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a fad diet. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and she, she mentions also mentioned that when she's talking about, uh, uh, or when it comes up, the telegrocery reference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is, more about is, is where xerophagy comes up, which I thought had special meaning to me, who now orders yes. groceries online for pickup at the store. Right. Um, telegrocery. Interestingly, he mentions in another endnote that, or or a footnote within an endnote or something, that uh, (laughs) it seems to be a primarily blue-collar fad as it stands in Boston, Uh uh, which is intriguing. It is. Uh, And the other vocab word that I have here is solacism, which he talks about in reference to the 15 items or less aisles at grocery stores so a solecism is uh, either a grammatical mistake or a breach of good manners or perhaps in this case both she is so she is she is such a stickler isn't she yes yes Mm -hmm. well she's the president of the military militant grammarians of massachusetts and you know she's right the 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 10 items or less yeah that's not how you should say it Mm -hmm. 10 items or fewer I gotta say, sometimes I correct people when they say something that should be fewer, and mm-hmm. they always stop, and they're ju- they don't have un- any understanding of what I'm saying. Right? They look at you blankly. You try, you try don't teaching. Understand. Try, uh, try uh, introducing math concepts to three and four year olds. Oh no! Like, oh, who yeah. has? Which is less, mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. or five? Who has fewer marbles? What? Eh? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> eh? Hmm. What do you mean by that? Wow. That yelled at me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Fewer and less. CT has borderline high cholesterol. Just if you're yeah. looking for little little bits and pieces about the fam. <laughs> um, you should eat more avocados. You mm, should. Oh, Okay. Um, Nuck is definitely a slur. I feel like we yes, established here. I feel here. like that's definitely a slur. Oh, also, um, on ten oh eight, there's a line where um, Oren is explaining his new seduction method mm-hmm. for oh, right. a subject, and Hal says it's poignant somehow that you always use the word subject when you mean the exact obverse. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And one, I thought that that was very insightful. Two, I thought it was hilarious because it was a, dr- a grammar joke. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody knows. Oh. That. I was I starting had... to wonder. 
Oh, go ahead. Well, I just had a question, another question yeah. for you, which I think maybe you said before, but in the letter, in Warren's form letter, uh, it's signed Jethro Bodine, assistant mailroom technician, and C. What's C? Uh, NC is et cetera. Oh, and C, et cetera. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew you had told me that before. Um, so my question is this. Knowing what we know now, uh, so so there's a there's a moment in this conversation where Hal kind of loses his patience and calls Orin out on a bunch of stuff, which I did find very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one yeah. of the things he calls Orin out for is writing these phony form letters, right? Uh, he seems with really... intentionally bad grammar, and and he and he doesn't deny it, and in fact, kind of cops to it. What He's... I want to know is, do you think? that Oren's use of malapropisms on the phone with Hal is a similar thing that he's doing those kind of halfway on purpose to, to, to get a rise out of Hal. It could well be. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. I think definitely later on when he keeps on making say malapropism, mm, uh, that yeah. is because, purposeful. Because, and perhaps it's, perhaps it's a dig at, uh, I mean, Hal, in spite of his, I don't know, he has a weird relationship with his mother, too. Mm-hmm. But Oren's relationship is obviously a lot, is, is, is much more difficult. Yeah. And, and Hal, Hal really, though, in this whole thing about Oren not calling her and Oren sending these form letters and... Hal really is always on his case about how much that hurts her. So he really, at least in the case of Oren, he really stands firmly on mom's side, if there are sides. Mm -hmm. That mom is the sort of the victim of Oren's bad behavior. And so maybe, maybe because he aligns himself with mom's, Oren does the, the, does that stuff to mess with Hal just because he sees Hal, Hal defending moms. Yeah, it's a I, thing for I both agree of them. with that. It's a thing that yeah. they share, Hal and, and Avril. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing to note is that Hal was back from practice early when he got this phone call and that clearly Oren had been, it's kind of a, kind of a, unexpected conversation. Oh, yeah, that like Oren thought he was going to get the answering conversation. machine. Right. He was expecting mm-hmm. to leave a message because he knows ETA's schedule and he expected that Hal was still out practicing tennis. And so right. he was going to, he was just going to leave a message. And so, boom, all of a sudden they're in the, they're in the middle of this really intense conversation. Read the malapropisms. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I believe that Oren is smart enough to do that on purpose. The misspellings in the form letter are pretty basic words. Yeah, but I think he's... Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Um, And then the... I don't know. He's, he's trying to use lascivious 
Mesmerized? Okay, that's something a, a normal person, normal person, a <laughs> not Hal person might say, but seraphic? I mean, the, the thing that I think gets me is that he, he, knows, he knows enough about the word seraphic to try and use it, but to, to, call, to say seraphic instead. Like, if he didn't have that vocabulary, it wouldn't occur to him to make that mistake, you know? I st in terms of the intelligence level of the Incandenza sons... I don't think he's on the same level as Hal. Uh, yeah, I do think he's kind of at the bottom of the pile. Although Hal points out that he's, like, fluent in French. Right. Yeah, but language acquisition and yeah, different vocabulary skill. expansion in your own language are, yeah. I'd argue, different. Yeah, I see what you mean. The meat of this conversation is about this question that Oren has that I think he... You know, for all the interruptions and, and all the other passive aggressive conversation happening around it, I think he articulates pretty well this question of like, isn't it strange that the instant Onan was formed, all these Quebec separatist radicals stopped fighting against Canada on behalf of Quebec and started fighting against um, the U.S. on behalf of all of Canada. Right. That whole question of what's behind that shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what are we supposed to make of that? Yeah. And, and I mean, I think the thing that, that I find most odd about this and that I think he, th he finds most odd about it is that it seemed to happen practically overnight. Right. Right. Yes. And so much of it is like, it, that is a big question. He also brings up the that what's the word samus dot I don't know how to yes. say that yeah uh, the banned politically charged printed materials uh, uh, describe them as incendiary advocating violence anti Onan and terrorism and Oren asked why would their dad's why would James O's name come up with this when they're right. talking about that mm. yeah. so what. Like, how is our family tied up in this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it is interesting that, you know, Oren clearly doesn't know. And unless Hal knows something he's not letting on, then neither of them know about the, the entertainment or the, like this, this rumored film that hypnotizes people. Yeah. He, he, when he talks about why would James O's name come up with in, in these top in these conversations about you know to anti anti onan terrorism and then it refers to let's see I think he says is it Oren that says that James O's work uh, is very self consciously American or maybe it's Hal yeah and he, that yeah. his interest in politics is subordinate to form his interest mm -hmm. in form and they list several several of his movies specifically uh, that are from his filmography. Yeah. Uh, they, so he mentioned specifically the, the Onantiad or, or is it his history of an American century as told through a brick? Right. Yeah. And the imminent domain, uh, 
memory neuron fighting to prevent displacement by new memories. The claymation yeah. love tri- triangle that they describe is not very funny. The yeah. poultry in motion with the pertussive turkeys. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I mean, um, this is something that I think about a lot in regard to avant-garde film. Hmm. Uh, it, is like, what what is the maker's position? Like, how did the, how does the maker position their work relative to political ideology? Um, and the it it does seem like it kind of come, people come down really hard on one side or the other of this question. Like there are filmmakers who are like overtly political at all times and, or, or, or like figuratively political, but, but they find the political, uh, the political element to be essential to their work. And then there are filmmakers who are like really anti-political, um, and, and often are making work that's much more abstract. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and it seems like maybe he falls more into that category than the first category. Except, mm. except Oren's question, I guess, I guess Oren is questioning that, though, why, right? Like, why well, would his father's well, so, name come up when you're talking about the... Well, so it sounds, it sounds like his, his father's name, his father's name did come up in the context of Sam is dot and he doesn't understand why. Right. So, and I think Hal, Hal's kind of agreeing that he also doesn't understand why that would right. be. Right. Well, there's a lot we don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Let's face it. Um, I think Hal, Hal says something that I find... Oh, well, here, there's one thing that I, I just want to talk about briefly because I think it's uh, very funny. Uh, he's, he's mentioning that he hasn't seen any of the uh, uh, wheelchair stalkers in days. Right. And he says, yeah. uh, I'm thinking that possibly this was a very ki- a kind of very shy sort of fan club of people without right. legs that look up to me right. as like the ultimate leg. The ultimate uh, leg. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That, um, was really, that was quite funny. Yeah. I mean, it's also like deeply ironic that we know pretty much for sure that these are the the wheelchair right. assassins following right. him, and and he has that no he idea. He should maybe be more concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, Hal says that- something that I that I found really uh, surprisingly self aware for him. Uh, he's be, when when Oren keeps asking him about this stuff, he says, I'm a privileged white 17 year old U.S. male. I'm a student at a tennis academy that sees itself as a prophylactic. I'm just about as apolitical as someone can be. I am all out. I am out of all loops, but one by design. Right. That is pretty self-aware. Yeah. Is that when he tells Oren that, you know, why are you asking me? You should be asking moms because yeah. she is the one yeah. that really understands this Canada stuff. So yeah. you should call, you should talk to her if you really want to, if you really want insight into this thing that you're asking, then you should be calling her, but you won't. Right. And right. I know you won't. It also refers, uh, there's a reference to around that question of why, you know, why all of a sudden the, the separatists, the 
Quebecois separatists are are uh, out to out to attack Onan instead of instead of the rest of Canada all of a sudden why this turnaround and it talks about um, yeah. the textbook case of Johnny Gentle type find an enemy for a divided nation to come together by blaming and hating theory. Who does that sound like? Yeah, it's I like, highlighted that too. Yeah, yeah, it's like our reality right now. Mm-hmm. But I will say, um, speaking of history education, uh, not at all out of the ordinary for American politics. Right. Yeah. Right. I, it also goes on to say then that this strategy, uh, the come together by blaming and hating theory, this strategy ended up bringing Canada together at our expense instead of bringing the U.S. together at their expense. So right. this strategy, <laughs> the strategy that the U.S. is is following, had the opposite effect that they that that the politicians were hoping for. But it just yeah. made Canada. It gave Canada. Canada being the uh, the ones being bullied and blamed now have forgotten their very significant differences. They haven't forgotten them, but they've set them aside to to deal with this bully to the south. Right. Uh, there is there is a brief mention of Mexico here. There's a mention of a like Vichy puppet government installed in Mexico by. The U.S. Oh, mm-hmm. Forgot that. There's also this in, little little piece of inner inner information about interlace, mm. and that it serves it serves just about all of habitable Onan, but each nation comprises an entertainment dissemination grid. So there's somehow. Hmm. Uh, the way it's set up. That's interesting. That I, I missed that, but that reminds me like, of like like DVD regions, like yeah. the U.S. North America is region one, and we have region one DVD players. And if you try to play like a region oh. five DVD from Europe in a region one player, it won't work. Oh, so is that oh, what they're grief. talking about? That they that. Where is this? This is. I'm not going to be able to find it. Boy, the print was small in the endnote. <laughs> well, wasn't it refreshing when you got back to the regular text and you just said, Yes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Normal size text. Mm-hmm. Where is the thing about the picture? I wondered what he was talking about exactly. But perhaps I won't find it. But it, it also really describes the, the environmental mess, right? Of the, the waste launchers and the... Right. Yeah. That's a big mess. So that's the theory. That's one theory, right? That that Orin has that uh, 
the yeah that the um Quebec-y, the Quebec separatists that real that they are going after Onan, but it's somehow because well, they that it would be to their advantage if something could happen so that they accepted the problem of the great concavity. Right. Like if they, that if maybe they, Canada would like to have them be separate if they would also take all the all the de- right. take on all the downside of the great concavity. Right. And somehow. so why don't they why don't they just do that? Um but he, and he also mentions, yeah, I'm I'm still struggling with the the political nuances of this. Um, but he does mention that it wouldn't be a, a difficult thing for uh, President Gentle to just adjust those waste catapults so they were bombarding like all of Canada instead of just right. the concavity. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like a great idea, but no. okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's there's a mention briefly of some other radical movements uh, or radical organizations. Um, so I, I tried and tried to chase these down. So they mentioned the Brazilian Nuevo Contras. Um, that's yeah. that's fictional. It's presumably the spiritual successor to the Nicaraguan Contras of the 1980s. But uh, the Infinite Just Wiki points out that this would be an unlikely name for a Brazilian insurgency movement since Nuevo is Spanish and the primary language in Brazil is Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nuastrocraft is Swedish for New Great Power. Um, it does not appear to be a real organization or and, and Great Power itself does not appear to be a real organization. Uh, the Shining Path is the Communist Party of Peru, which has waged guerrilla warfare against the Peruvian uh-huh. government since 1980. Belgian CCCs are communist combatant cells. Um, and Ez Ed Dien El Qasan, El, El Qasan are, is an alternative spelling of Is Ad Din Al Qasam, uh, which is a military anti-Zionist wing of Hamas. Mm. So some of those are real, some of them are not. Let's see. Before we get in, got into um, the questions about Canada and why Quebec is now anti-Onan and that's uh, or separating Canada from Onan rather than separating Quebec from Onan, uh, we get a little bit more with Orin and Steeply, which right, yes, yeah, was. A little bit of something that I struggled with um, because I'm not sure if it is a joke that Oren is falling in love with Steeply or if it is an actual relationship that he is. I think um, it seems so. My read on this is that it seems pretty one sided, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think how. Uh, Hal's first explanation of this is that he thinks Oren came on to Steeply and Steeply wasn't interested and now Hal is obsessed. Oren's obsessed. Or or Oren's obsessed. Mm-hmm. That um, sounds like a pretty... That's the read that I got. Yeah. I agree with yeah. that. I, I mean, okay. I do think it's. it sounds to me like Helen Steeply is genuinely viewed by the... by 
Oren's teammates as being very attractive. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a line in here that I really like that uh, he said that she had a face that would break your heart and then also break the heart of whoever like rushed over to your aid as you pitched over sideways grabbing your chest. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. The other thing that we didn't mention, the, the other thing that struck me was uh, it was way back when they how was talking about the, the classes that the prorectors taught and that mm-hmm. he ended up in this uh, class about the Quebec history and the separatist movement and everything. And it, he said that he found it, that he was surprisingly sucked into the whole thing mm-hmm. and that he found it, uh, that he, that he was very, very interested in it. But then he, it said something about that it made him vaguely uneasy too like like reading all about it it made him vaguely uneasy like yes how it would feel if somebody dug out your letters that you hadn't intended to be public and were reading them which is funny because of course he's digging out letters from mario's box that i honest i you know it's funny that you mentioned that because i was thinking that the way you you were describing learning about these decontam- decontamination facilities on the border uh, reminded it's me of the of sensation that that's feeling. being described yeah, there. Yeah, but the, why would he? Why would he feel that about? I mean, I think I feel that because I feel like I'm a part of that. I'm part of it. Well, that's how too. Though but I mean, how's how's an American? He's he's grown up in yeah, in Onan was, and yeah, but he's learning about the separatist movement, right? He was learning about the history of the Quebecois separatists Hmm. it wasn't he i don't know has he taught has he been learning more recent history about how they've switched and are and are uh i I mean i read it or or was that oren that brought that up i thought i thought it was when when you listed all the the you know the historical figures the canadian historical figures that's what he was learning about he well he does say he does say though that, that the teacher there. is is running out of history to teach which right. makes me think that they're getting up to the present day uh-huh. mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i i think i read it differently that it's his reaction to learning about like american involvement in quebec and I, I just wonder, I wonder and seeing about like complicity his, in that. I don't his know. real personal, his personal connection and discomfort. I, I, I was surprised unless, yeah. unless he really acknowledges the Canadian connections that the, that his family has. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. That mom, his mother is Canadian and, and his uncle. And then at the end, the the end of the end, end note, Pemulus appears and is oh, trying, yeah. to get, trying to get Hal to move along. And I like, and, I liked the, uh, the detail that Pemulus is wearing an earring that lights up with the rhythm of his pulse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're going to, they're going to jump in the tow truck and go down the hill to the unexamined life. Right. Because that's what they do on the yeah, it's Interdependence like a Day Eve tradition. Because they have R and R time. 
You know, yeah. it's really funny that in the book it's Interdependence Day Eve, and today is literally oh. our Independence Day. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is worth noting yeah. somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, the um, other thing is that he describes, like, so uh, ETA also has a cel- an official celebration for Independence right. Day. Right. And one of the things... One of the things that I noted with like a a horrified emoji was that they sometimes have a sing along. <laughs> they have a no. they have a potluck. They have a Mario made film, which also one wonders what's that going to be. Yeah, Mario makes a film to show, and then they sometimes have a, a sing along. Mm-hmm. It, it so mm-hmm. horrified me. I it doesn't sound like ETA. Hmm. Nothing in anything that we've learned about them would suggest that they might ever have a yeah, sing-along for anything. It's like, Brianna, Brianna, you mentioned Hogwarts in regards to <laughs> ETA's curriculum, but mm-hmm. this to me feels like if Hogwarts was a tennis school, <laughs> this is like a Hogwarts Christmas celebration. But right, for... it's like Dumbledore starting off the songs. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had an arrow on 1016. Oren says, chortles are good. We like chortles. And I noted, wasn't that exact couple of sentences in Avril's letter? Yeah, yeah. Let me see if I can find that. It is. Mm. It's on 1016, you said? Yes, it's at the very, very top. We chortles mm-hmm. are good. We like chortles. And she's talking about 15 items or less. Yes. When I success- suggested that a little comic relief in the form of the L to F bulletin might not be amiss, he chortled. Chortling is good. We like chortling. So he's definitely Whoa. reading her letters. Yeah, he's a- yeah. he absolutely told on himself there. I didn't. Oh. I completely missed that. Oh, wow. oh. That, yeah, that changes everything. Does it? Yeah, it does yeah. somehow. Because I, cause <laughs> I, I was imagining him, just him throwing them in the trash. Right. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so he's so reading it, them. Is it better or worse that he's reading them? I think it's better because obviously. It, Something about it is getting through to him. Yeah, at least it's a line of communication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So only one I'm direction to say I'm inclined to say that even if it's only one direction, that maybe if she writes enough letters, yeah. she'll read enough letters and say, Oh, this is something worth responding to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, it's you know I I think a little less of him though. I I mean the whole sort of self righteous indignation of having this your mother who you have basically told you are you are done with, uh, and she keeps writing you letters. There's something to be said for like throwing them all away before you open them, throwing them in the yeah. fireplace. Yeah, it's definitely them, the more lighting like lighting a match to them. 
ideologically uh, pure yeah, <laughs> position to be to, in. But to say that you're done with her, but then you're actually reading every letter. Yeah. I don't know. It's so sneaky. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think I think but, Avril Avril would be pleased to know that he's reading her letters, even if she's not, even if he's not responding to them. Avril, in a yeah. very weird way, really knows her children in a really weird way because she has always studied ways to like get them to do what she wants while adamantly denying that she wants them to be influenced by her which means that she knows every little thing about them so she probably knows that Warren (laughs) will be reading the letters Mm -hmm. she probably she believes I bet she knows it I mean why else would she keep writing them true yeah yeah if she really thought that he was burning them all the time, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um. So there's so after the end note. So was the letter returned? Wait, was the letter oh. returned? Is that how Mario had it? Was it returned to sender? I I, I was how a little unclear about that. I think. Did we read it because it had he, been sent, returned to sender? Like, did he steam it open and and read I it and then send it back? My theory is she mentions something about like these things really let you go on and on. I bet you that mm. this is a computer printout and that she like printed out one copy and mailed another copy. Oh, okay. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, because it did seem like it was. Um, she referred to those things. I feel like there was a, a note that was a computer or yeah. some computer related is, object. Yeah, I think is implied. So so then we're back out of the end note and talking some more about <laughs> this uh, this anti Onan insurgency stuff and particularly the AFRs. Um, like mirrors across highways. This, this scheme. is the part that I yeah. didn't really read. I didn't. I had read a mention of it somewhere, but I didn't finish it up. It's horrible. And yeah. yet, mm. and yet, like a cartoon kind of. Oh, this is absolutely Roadrunner Wiley yeah. Coyote territory. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is <laughs> with um, deadly results. More yeah. deadly than in Roadrunner and Coyote. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have a lot of, I don't really have anything to say about it, except that I think it's funny. And it, it reinforces this, again, it reinforces the slapstick aesthetic of, of the world that we're in as a whole. But yeah. it also, also reinforces this idea of whimsy on the behalf of a number of the, or on the part of a number of Quebec separatist groups. <laughs> yes. Like dropping mm. pies and uh, shooting down um, uh, waste disposal canisters and yeah. Whimsical, diabolical. In the yes. Set, like whimsical mm, yeah. slash diabolical. Yeah. I thought too there's it was this part that I just read uh also, it's so, it's so interesting. So, it, in a way, it's a very simple. It's a very simple plot, right? You put up. Well, the the mechanics of it sound difficult. Like, how do you 
get a mirror that big and all. But but really, the idea is very simple. You put the mirror up, people believe that someone's heading straight for them, so they veer off the road, uh, mm-hmm. crash and burn, and are all killed. Right. Uh, mirror goes away, but then... Uh, the the police who investigate the accidents, you know, they have to come up with a... It says they, they had to detach their tr- chin straps uh, to scratch under their big brown hats over the... Mm-hmm. They, they finally say that, you know, first they say it might, they might be suicides, but then there are so many of them that then they... A tri- they have to find something. Yeah. They have they have to have a finding, right? Like what right. caused this accident? And the best they can come up with is that they get sleepy, right? And they fall asleep <laughs> and they're driving off the road. Yeah, uh, and then in that's mass a, numbers. That's uh, a, so a you you a have blot to have, on uh, on Rodney Tyne's record because he urges a bunch of PSAs to discourage uh, driving when drowsy. Right, right. So <laughs> then they, they address the problem. They address what they think is the problem, but it's not the problem. That also is very instructive for us in the times we're in right now, too. It's that jumping, jumping to conclusions because you're, because you're, you have a, you, you have this need to have the answer right away. We need an answer now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't really have proof that they fell asleep, but it's the only thing that we can think of. And so we're going all in on this to the point where we're doing PSAs about it. And, and although yeah. to be fair to them, the real explanation is just so ludicrous that if they had it suggested is. it, everyone would have laughed at them. Right. But still, yeah. it's the folly of, of assuming that because it's the thing that makes sense, it doesn't mean that it's true. Yes. Yeah. You've got to be careful. It's one, and they don't say it's possible. It's possible that they're falling asleep. It seems hard to believe that so many people are falling asleep and veering off the road, but that's the only that's the only plausible suggestion that we have. You know, the weather was good. There wasn't a weather problem. Uh, no mechanical problems with the vehicle. It must they must have fallen asleep. But, mm-hmm. but that's not always. That's not. That's not always. Sometimes guessing is the only thing you can do, an educated guess, but you should be careful not to uh, equate it with, like, a proven fact. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it's also, in a very sad but slapsticky way, uh, amusing that the way, the way the whole thing is illuminated and everyone sees what's been going on is by someone who actually was trying to commit suicide. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is the one that, that solves the mystery. Mm-hmm. The people that were trying to stay alive died. And the one who was trying to commit yeah. suicide was, yeah, that is we assume deeply was probably ironic. okay, right? Uh, unclear. They must I mean, have I been think... okay because... Because if they had gone off the road, if they'd gone smashed through the mirror and eventually gone off the road and died, then the the terrorists would have just come out and swept up all the broken glass. Maybe. I don't know. know if you could, though. I feel like there would be trace. 
evidence left behind. I think I think in the reality of the book, this person was probably fine. But in actuality, if one drove a car through a highway sized mirror, uh, I, yeah, I don't think you would live through that. Hard to say. I don't know what would happen to you. It's, I can't really imagine. I think I think that shards of mirror would go through your windshield. Maybe because it would have to be a pretty thick. Yeah. How could they? Big, it, heavy, just the mechanics sharp. of it is very difficult to imagine. How do they get it there? Yeah. A mirror that's that big, and heavy enough to stand on its edges. Right. Hmm. Yikes. Only in the Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, this is exactly like painting a tunnel on the side of a mountain. It is. It's right. the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, one quick uh, vocabulary word that I wanted to see if anybody looked up. Um, Anschluss. Anschluss was uh, uh, Nazi Germany's um, annexation of Austria. In, oh, okay. I want to say 35 or something like that. So they equate it with the Quebec being made Canadian? Is that what they're referring to? Was it about? I, I, I think maybe that up? is how I, I sort of lost track of that. But yes, yeah. I think so. I think so, yeah. And and then they're equ- I mean it's it it is interesting that they're equating either the US or Onan as a whole at with Nazi Germany because they also talk about uh Mexico being vichified in the mm-hmm. way that France was vichified. Yeah. Vichified? Well, so so the Vichy government in France was oh. a a pro-Nazi government post-German occupation. So it was like in in so France was still technically autonomous, but in reality, it was just, yeah, it was Nazi. Yeah. You have to wonder, I, I keep wondering why Onan? Like, how did this happen? It, you, yeah. you kind of assume from the things that we've read that it was a, uh, a that the USA was the one that drove this, because mm-hmm. it seems like, so many can- Canadians are against the idea, and the things, the little bits that we hear about Mexico don't sound particularly uh, pleasant. Mm-hmm. Repercussions of, of it reminds me of, of like, Onan, but but yet the so how would the how did the U.S. pull that off then? It's it reminds me of like a hostile corporate takeover. Like it's not quite yeah. a war, it's not quite an invasion, right. but it's sort of a like something. Guess what? We're in charge of your government now kind like of thing. Yeah. Up, like you bought up the And it also reminds me of the way that conspiracy stuff. theorists thought about NAFTA, like Yeah. this idea that it's a, a shadowy multi-nation government that's going to replace the U.S. government. The other the other weird thing is that it's so new, right? It's... it's yeah, it's just a few years it's old. It's just a few years old. What, eight, ten? Two, eight, four, I think. Six, eight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet it seems so... There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, so there, there are people that don't agree, right? But, mm-hmm. but it all seems so set up. Mm-hmm. You would think that there would be more floundering around to get this new entity. It's basically 
well, what what would it be? Is it is it like uh, what would it compare to? Is it like the European Union, or is it like? The I mean, British it seems Empire? to be more is centralized. It like, is it like uh, a shared, like a totally shared government? Like the, econ- the European Union is more economically based, but this seems more like like a centralized government. government. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a new, like a new bigger nation. Like a mm-hmm. like the USSR sort of yeah like yeah a, yeah like a and and how do you pull that off? I it's a lot of questions, but maybe it had to do with the maybe it also had to do with the development of the annular fusion. Yeah, maybe could have changed the balance and and the the way. I don't know. Did the did the US hold such an upper hand when that was developed that other countries just have to fall in place yeah, like, around like, it? What did they what did they have that was valuable enough to Canada to get Canada on board? You have to think yeah. it's the annular fusion. I think of that as as I keep reading that our our government is buying up the one drug that seems to be somewhat useful in treating COVID-19, the remdesivir, or however you say it, mm. remdesivir. Mm-hmm. That the U.S. Yeah. has, the, the United States government has bought up the entire world supply of it. Mm-hmm. Which leads you to embarrassing if, <laughs> if we were all wrong. Which leads work. you to believe, well, well but, and, it, and that leads me to believe, and I think others have speculated that if a vaccine is developed in another country, that the U.S. will also buy up all of that. Mm-hmm. So think about the power that you would have if you were the only one, that you had struck deals to be the only one that had this life-saving vaccine that the whole uh, world needed. It would mm-hmm. be like... What if you're the only ones that have annular fusion and it's the... It, it's yeah, it's the, like the, the, the solution to an energy crisis that exactly. everyone in the world needs. Exactly. Yeah. And perhaps uh, address climate change and everything, which wasn't even really talked about then. But that, that what happens if one country has this big advantage, scientific advantage, or mm-hmm. medical advantage, and the the power that gives you that you could say well we will share our annular fusion capabilities if we can create this new entity this onan mm-hmm. if you want to if you want to have access to to this technology then you have to you have to basically give yourselves to us right which is just like quebec having to acknowledge that they kind of need Canada, mm-hmm. so they're Canadian. Hmm. 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 Uh, does anyone have anything they'd like to announce or plug? Um. As always, if you're interested in me and my paintings, check me out on Instagram at cardboardvv. Yes. I'd like to plug, uh, we, speaking of uh, stories of Quebec, 
uh, we've been just tearing through these Three Pines mysteries that are all oh, set Louise in Penny. Quebec. Oh Louise my Penny gosh, and Inspector Gamache. Oh, uh, Jean, Jean, uh, Jean-Guy uh, Beauvoir. Jean-Guy Jean Beauvoir and, and Annie and... Ren Marie. Ren Marie and yeah. uh, the, Clara the... and Clara and, and the duck. <laughs> yes. Rosa yeah. the duck and... Yeah. Henri yeah. the German shepherd. Henri. Who's not yes. very bright but very loyal, and the and the inn, the innkeepers, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. Myrna, and the oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. So it's uh, I wanted to bring this up because one of the things I've realized in list we really have been just on a tear. We've listened to almost all of them at this point. In, the audiobooks are very good. Yes, um, they are. And uh, I have I started, the new one on hold. I don't know even ooh, when it comes out, but I have um, the new one on. I, I started doing some Googling uh, related to plot points in these books, and there's a lot of, like, Quebec history Yes, in there them. is. There is um, a lot of Quebec history, and and especially in these days when we're looking at policing here in this country, mm-hmm. sort of the, the, the way the policing is set up and, the, and, and Quebec and... I, I don't know, and indigenous peoples, and there's there's yeah. just a lot of yeah. So so uh, it's like an opposite end of the frivolity spectrum from right. Infinite Jest, but right. very very fun <laughs> books. Um, yeah, so that's my plug. Read some okay. of those. Louise Penny. Louise Penny. Mm-hmm. They're the best. I don't think I have anything to announce. Okay. I definitely Except my don't. discomfort with the Fourth of July, I don't. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. Yeah. Let's but just have a let's slightly let's uncomfortable. Uh, go ahead and and celebrate in some way, as long as you celebrate some discomfort around the yes. holiday. Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah. Have an, celebrate uh, have our ambivalence about ourselves. Have a slightly uncomfortable Fourth of July in which you embrace the potential of our country. And also our up to this point massive failures to 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 reach the potential and some yeah. kind of mm-hmm. determination to do better. <laughs> yeah, later. and uh, be considerate of any dogs in your area oh, if yes, you are celebrating. Their um, tender ears and cats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not everyone loves blasting and uh, mm-hmm. bombs bursting in air. Next week, we'll be talking about pages 312 to 343. Our music is by David Nichols. You can listen to his podcast, The Land of Random, on Spotify. Thanks for listening. Oh, no. Just a second. The, <laughs> the quote that I was going to use is from the, the thing where I read a little too far. Just oh, a second. No. Oh, no. Uh, uh, you can read okay. it. It will be a teaser. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. It's not, a, it's right. not acceptable. Oh, all right. Um, all right. I had another, another one. one. I had another one. If I can just find it, uh, uh, it's at the end of the end note. Um, I feel like the veil has been lifted. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this part's getting edited out. Oh what? my god! Thanks for listening. And as for you, how about why don't you just toss me the bob and axe handle and me will go down and get things ready and wait for you. We did indeed order a tent. Oh, 
good. What kind did you end oh, up getting? We got a Big Agnes. Oh, I love the Big Agnes tents. I've Tumble looked at three. Big Agnes. Let me read you this review. This was this kind of was what encouraged me to get this one. Yes. Uh, the bees love the tent. Oh. It, it's all you can expect from Big Agnes. The pockets inside are plentiful and the light is cool. I do not know if anyone else has this issue. The light color seems to attract bees. We set oh. it up as a campsite while out exploring and came back to bees all over the tent. Yes, I recommend this product. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 